Um, I want to talk to you this morning about the normal Christian life, um, whatever that is. There is a norm, I think, and I want to talk to you what it should be in each of our lives. There's a verse of Scripture, if you have your Bibles, uh, I'd like you to look at, and it's found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 18. And we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. Uh, maybe many of you can quote that. It says, be not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to suggest to you that the normal Christian life is a life that is under the control, filled with the Holy Spirit. But before I speak, I want us to pray that prayer that if you were here last night or you watched online, that we prayed, and we're going to pray it before each of the services. Lord, speak to me. That's really what revival is all about. We pray that God will speak to us, that we will be obedient to the sweet voice of His Spirit. Those four words, Lord, speak to me. So would you bow your head, and let's pray that prayer together out loud. Together. Lord, speak to me. Lord, we give you these next few moments, and I do pray that you'll speak to us, and I pray that each one of us will be obedient to the sweet voice of your Spirit. We thank you for the privilege of coming into your presence. Thank you for Salem Fields Church. And God, we ask that you would uh, visit us today in power. If there are those here today that do not know you in a personal way, I pray that even today they would make the most important decision in all of life, and that is to know you. But above all, I pray that each of us, too, would leave here knowing that we are under your control, empowered by your spirit. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. There are two commands there. One is don't get drunk. Now, I doubt if anybody's here this morning saying, Steve, would you get on with this? I want to go get drunk. Um, I, I doubt you're here. But if you are here and that's your plan, I'm glad you're here. You're at the right spot. Okay? I mean, don't get drunk. He says it, but he says just as emphatically, be filled. So I would say it would be absurd for anybody to leave here after coming together and worshiping like this and, and singing wonderful songs and praying together and, and being in the presence of, of the body of Christ. It would be foolish for anyone to leave here and get drunk. I mean, it's crazy. Why would you do that? But I want to say to you that it would be even more absurd, more foolish, more ridiculous for any one of us to leave here this morning not knowing that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. He commands it. Don't get drunk. Be filled. Now, I've heard all kinds of messages on what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? You probably have to. I heard a person one time describe it like this. He had a, a glass of water and a glass of milk, and he had a bowl. And he said, in order to be filled... He emptied the milk out, so that, and then he filled it with water so that you can be filled. Now, that's liquid theology at best. Um, I, I, that's not what you should do because if that happens, it produces one of two things, I think. Either a rank hypocrite that goes around saying everything's fine, fantastic, and fabulous, and they know it's not, you know it's not, and everybody else knows it's not, but they act like it is. Or you create this chronic introvert, and all you do is see the negative things inside of you, and you try to always get rid of them. That's not your job. We're all broken, every one of us. We need to be fixed, not in our own self. Now, I want to cooperate with God. I want to do my part, but that's His business. 
to fill me. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled. If I try to empty myself of self, all I do is look at the negative things inside of me, and I'm always trying to get rid of them. Our job is to concentrate on Him and let Him fix us. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, there are several things we need to understand about Him. He is the third part of the Trinity. Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago plus, said, I'm going back to heaven, but I'm going to send the Comforter, and He's going to abide with you. He's going to be in you. And when you ask Christ to come into your life, He comes in. So if we're going to be filled with Him, we need to understand who He is, where He is, and why He's there. And Ephesians is a great book to tell us about that. Number one, he says he's God. He's the third part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is God. Secondly, where is he? One of my favorite verses is Ephesians 2.10. Look at it if you have your Bibles. We are the dwelling place of God. I don't know what that does to you, but I mean that just sort of knocks your socks off to know that the God of all creation is now living in me. I am the dwelling place of God. If you know him in a personal way, I want you to say with me on the count of three, I am the dwelling place of God, okay? One, two, three. I am the dwelling place of God. Wow. The God that spoke this world into existence, the God that knit you together inside your mother's womb and scheduled every day of your life, that God has taken up residence in you. You are the dwelling place of God. I mean, how good is that? We're the dwelling place of God. So who is he? God. Where is he? He's in us. If you know him in a personal way, if you don't know him, you can know him. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. He can't lie. All you got to do is ask him. Say, Lord, I'm broken. I'm messed up. I need you. Would you come into my life? He'll do it. And you then become the dwelling place of God. I am the dwelling place of God. So who is he, God? Where is he? He's in me. Why is he there? Ephesians tells us why he's there. He came into your life to fix you, to indwell you, to equip you and strengthen you in your inner being so that you can do exceeding abundantly far beyond anything that we could ask or imagine. That's what God wants to do in you. That's what God wants to do for you. He wants to equip you. God created you to live in relationship with him. He has things for you to do that no one else can do. I believe that with all my heart. You're not just some accident that just happened to be. God knew you even before he laid the foundations of this earth. He has your name written on the palm of his hand. He wants to live in relationship with you. He wants you to be everything that you can possibly be. You know, all of us are important. That's just a fact. The God of all creation made you, you, for a purpose. One, one of my favorite stories is the legacy of a man by the name of Richard Kimball. How many of you remember that old fugitive program? The, 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 Dr. Richard Kimball was always on the run. But see, there was an, another Richard Kimball. He was a Sunday school teacher, taught young boys. How many ever been a Sunday school teacher of young boys? Anybody? 
Anybody ever get discouraged doing that? <laughs> Richard Kimball got concerned about one of those boys, and this young man worked at a particular store. In fact, Barb and I, my wife and I, uh, several years ago, I was speaking at a camp meeting up in, uh, in Canada, and we stopped by Boston to visit the location of this store. It's now a big bank building, but it's got a plaque on the side of it. He went by to visit this young man, and later that day, that young man went back in the stock room, it was a shoe store, and knelt down and gave his life to Christ because of a Sunday school teacher that was concerned about him, that shared the story of Christ. And D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, opened his life to Christ. And Christ indwelled D.L. Moody. Later, Moody was preaching in London, England, and a compromise by his own testimony, a compromised, backslidden Baptist pastor by the name of F.B. Meyer ridiculed Moody because of his improper English, laughed at him. But the Holy Spirit got hold of F.B. Meyer, and F.B. Meyer recommitted his life to the Lord. And later joined Moody as a part of his evangelistic outreach. And he was in America preaching, and a young man by the name of Wilbur Chapman gave his life to Christ. And Wilbur Chapman went on to become a great evangelist. And Wilbur Chapman was preaching at the specific garden mission in Chicago, rescue mission. And there was a drunk Chicago White Sox ball player sitting on the curb. And he heard the music from the old lighthouse and got up and went inside, heard the message of salvation, gave his life to Christ. That was Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday became a great evangelist. And he was preaching in Lynchburg, Virginia, my hometown. And my mom and dad, my future mom and dad, gave their lives to Christ. I'm part of that legacy. See, every one of us are important. You don't know where you fit. But God has taken up residence in you to equip you and use you to advance his kingdom. He wants you to represent him well. You know, the world has changed greatly over the past number of years. We've raised a generation that is really a long way from the cross. When I was in high school, I was president of my class and it was my responsibility in a public school to line up devotions every day. Can you imagine that? We'd go to the principal's office and somebody would read from the upper room of the daily bread or uh, another devotional guide. So somebody would lead us in the Lord's Prayer. We pledge allegiance. I was at a public high school. We've raised a generation that is a long way from then. I, everybody in my school was not a Christian at that time, including me. But there was nobody that didn't have at least an understanding. But we've got a world in which we live in now that people don't have a clue who Jesus is. And missiologists are telling us it's taking more and more touches to get them to the place where they even have enough information to make an intelligent decision about Christ. That's why it's important for all of us to commit our lives to being filled with the Spirit so that every time we touch a life in the name of Jesus, it brings them closer. You may give a cup of cold water. You may offer them a smile. You may give them a kind word. But every step moves them closer so that at some point they make a decision for Christ.
We're all in this together, and we need to live that normal Christian life under the control of the Holy Spirit so that the lives that we touch in His name are impacted by the Holy Spirit. He's there to equip you. He wants to do a work in your life that will help you become everything that He created you to be. That's class 101. If you haven't taken that, that's one of those steps moving in the right direction. So who is He? God, where is He? He's in me. If you've asked Him to come into your life, He's in you. He said, I'd live in you. I'll never leave you. I'll never let you down. I'm there to abide with you to the very end. And he's there to equip you and strengthen you so that you can do exceeding abundant. Look at chapter three. I pray that out of his, I love the way Paul writes, out of his glorious riches that he might strengthen you with power. And that word power translated there is the same power that enabled Jesus Christ to come out of the grave. That's the power that's in us through his spirit in your inner being. And verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Again, I love the way you write, immeasurably more than all I can ask. And I mean, I can ask for all kinds of stuff. And he's able to do way more than I can ask for. And if I can't talk anymore, he can do more than I can imagine. I can imagine all kind of wild stuff. And he said, I can do way more than that. We don't want to limit God. We want to allow him to be who he is in us. And it's amazing what he will do through us if we'll just be the vessel that allows him his rightful place in our life. Now, he wants to motivate us as well. So when we come to know him, we are captivated by the Holy Spirit. He, he owns us. I've been bought with a price. I'm no longer my own. I belong to him. I've been purchased through the blood of Christ. And so he wants to captivate me, and he wants to motivate me, and he wants to motivate me toward unity. Chapter 4, verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep unity. You know, God wants to motivate us toward unity. Now, does that mean that we all look alike, act alike, and dress alike? No. I mean, thank God for diversity. You know, you know opposites attract? They, they, it's true in our marriage. I'm sort of quiet and barbed that. No, it's the other way around. Um, but, you know, that's, that's good. It would be boring if everybody were the same. I mean, I love basketball. I, love, I just like sports. And when our son was playing basketball or soccer, you know, I'd go to a game. I make the referees earn their living. Um, and Barb said she had a good time too, but she just sat there. And if everybody acted like my wife at a ball game, it'd be really quiet. And if everybody acted like me, it'd be dangerous. <laughs> when, when my son was in high school, they uh, gave a, an award, the, the sportsman banquet, and David got a couple of awards. And they gave a special award that year for the fan of the year. I got it. <laughs> It was, uh, he went to a Christian high school, and the principal called me in. He thought I was being a little too uh, aggressive at, at ball games, And so I was speaking in chapel sometime after that, and I said, you know, uh, Mr. Yoder called me in. He, he thought I shouldn't be quite as loud at a ball game. And I, this one referee, I'd been given a sort of hard time. 
I said, I decided to make amends. And so I, I found that this guy had a birthday this last weekend, though. So I went, I spent the whole day looking for the perfect cards just so I could cheer him up. And I said, I, I looked everywhere, but I just couldn't find one in Braille. But anyway. <laughs> I enjoy life. Uh, but, but God wants to motivate us toward unity, okay? Now, I, I, I can guarantee you this. I could sit down beside every one of you today, and we could find something that we disagree about. Right? I mean, we, we just think differently about different things. I mean, I, Buddy likes Virginia. I mean, can you imagine? No. <laughs> I, I do too. I mean, I, I'm a Virginian. I, uh, but, you know, I could, we could get in a fight over Virginia Tech. <laughs> See, he even agreed with me. <laughs> I mean, but why? See, we got far more in common than we have that separates us. So we want to be motivated toward unity. Unity of purpose. Our purpose is to declare God's glory. Oneness in Jesus Christ. We, we could argue maybe over the, how you get baptized or, you know, what, all kind of stuff, but why? We have far more in common than we have that separates us. And so the body of Christ needs to be motivated toward unity. I, I, I know churches that have had division over, I mean, who in the world picked the color of these chairs up? See what I mean? I had a different color carpet too. No, no, it's not, it's just stuff. I mean, the worship team did a great job today, but if it had been me, we'd have had bluegrass up here. <laughs> it's just music. I, I got a friend, one of my best friends, he's from Romania. He, he's a trained opera singer. I, I love Pete. He sings for me when I go to Romania. He's a great singer. But I cannot imagine paying good money to go hear somebody groan at an opera. My style of opera is the grand old opera. But, uh, you know, I, I, it's just music. Stuff like that should not separate. We're motivated toward unity. Not only are we motivated toward unity, we should be motivated toward that which is good, that which is right, and that which is true. That's what Ephesians says. Ephesians chapter 5. For you were once living in darkness... But now you're living in the light. In the Lord, live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's what should motivate us. Goodness, righteousness. And, you know, that's a challenge because we're living in this world. You know, the Bible says we are the salt of the earth. Now, the salt is a preservative, yes. But have you ever got a cut and get some salt in it? What is it? It stings. See, we're the conscience of this world in which we live. Here we are, motivated toward that which is good, that which is right, and here we're going this way, upstream. And coming at us, the world at best is motivated toward that which is comfortable, that which is convenient, that which is popular. It's no wonder at times that the world feels uneasy around us because here we are motivated toward that which is good that which is right and that which is true and the counterculture comes at us and we prick their conscience 
that's okay. Don't compromise who you are. Under the control of the Holy Spirit, he wants to motivate you toward that which is good, that which is right, and that which is true. Are you allowing him to do that? Are you allowing him to use you in your office or in your school? Are you compromising who you are and just, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to create sting. See, I, I know this happens to Pastor Buddy and the other staff here at times. You go into a place and people say, Shh, here comes the preacher. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now I, as an evangelist, I can sneak up on them. <laughs> I was on, playing golf not too long ago and I was traveling and I just went out to a golf course and I said I wanted to play and, and they paired me with these three guys and I tell you, the sky was blue the first three holes. Uh, uh, language was pretty intense. <laughs> and one of them saw a little bag on the side of my golf bag that says Liberty University. <laughs> and he said, oh, you connected with Liberty? I said, well, one of my best friends was a co-founder, Dr. Elmer Towns. And I was in a tournament there the other week, and they gave me this. Uh, and he said, I'm sorry for the way we've been talking. I said, hey. Don't mind me if you don't mind talking like that in front of him. <laughs> See, I didn't have to say anything. It just happened. As we're motivated toward that which is good, that which is right, that which is true. In a world that is motivated in all kinds of other directions, God uses us to help people be made aware of where they're going. Now, captivated by him, motivated toward unity, toward that which is right, that which is true. Now, we're to be activated for service. See, we are empowered by him to be motivated, but he wants to activate us into service. And again, thank God for diversity. Uh, I, I think... Paul tied these two together for a purpose. Don't get drunk, but be filled. So what, is, what does it mean to get drunk? It means a person comes under the control of alcohol. Alcohol captivates them, or drugs, captivates them, motivates them, and activates them to act the way they act. I mean... A person doesn't need a lapel sticker on that says, hi, I'm drunk, are you? <laughs> you know how you can tell they're drunk? You can tell they're drunk by the way they talk. You can tell they're drunk by the way they think. You can tell they're drunk by the way they act. So I suggest to you, when you come under the control of the Spirit of God, it'll be evident in the way you walk, it'll be evident in the way you talk, it'll be evident in the way you think. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It means simply that you come under his control. Again, opposites attract, and I'm thankful for that. I love my wife. And she's strengthened who I am. And I think together, we make a really good package. 
I've learned from her and hopefully she's learned from me. She provides strength in my weak areas and I hope I strengthen her in her weak areas. But we're different. I use a sports analogy to say that Barb is quiet and I'm sort of loud and outgoing. Diversity. I've seen people who come under the control of the Holy Spirit laugh. I've seen people cry. I've seen people weep. I've seen people quietly trust Christ, trust the Holy Spirit to be everything that they need. See, your experience should be your experience, not my experience. That's all I'm saying. You are a unique individual. I want to close with this true story. A number of years ago, we were asked to do a crusade in North Lawrence, Ohio. We were in a high school gymnasium, I mean, a high school auditorium, large high school there. I think it was about 3,000 seats. And uh, it was a great week. I mean, great week. And the last night, it was just one of those unusual nights. And I so I remember there were like 75 people that got saved that night. It was awesome that aisles were lined, people kneeling in the aisles when I gave the invitation. But I remember two in particular. The first one was a young man that literally ran down the aisle and fell before the front of the platform just weeping uncontrollably. And on a scale of 1 to 10, I gave him a 12. The other one that I remember was a young man that was sitting over here to my right after everybody had left and a counselor was trying to pray with him and he called me over and it was just the two of them there. There were a number of people out in the uh, foyer but the auditorium was empty. And I came over and said, I said, can I help? He said, could you try to talk to him? And the guy was sitting there and every now and then a tear would drop but he wouldn't say anything. And I tried to talk to him. He, he, so I literally got down on my knees to try to make eye contact with him. And I said, would you like to receive Christ? And he said, yes. I said, can I pray with you? Yes. Would you like me to lead you in a prayer? Yes. And I prayed a prayer something like this, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. And he repeated, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my life and forgive all of my sins. And I thank you for dying for me. Thank you for having victory over the grave. And I ask you, Lord, to help me be the kind of person you want me to be. He prayed all of those words. He said, amen, and before I could do anything, he got up and walked out. And that night on my way back to my hotel where I was staying, I asked the Lord to forgive me because I felt like I had manipulated him. And I shouldn't have prayed with him. Well, there was such an unusual week that week they asked me to come back the next year and do it again, and uh, I did. I chose, I said, yeah, I'll do it. 
actually it was two years, we skipped a year. And they asked me to come back and have another week-long meeting. And I drive up the first Sunday night, and I get out of my car, and this young man comes across the parking lot and says, oh, I'm so glad to see you. I said, well, it's good to see you. He said, do you remember me? I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't. He said, I, I got saved when you were here two years ago. He said, I'm, I'm a student at Moody Bible Institute. I'm studying to be a missionary. I said, that's wonderful. He said, you don't remember me? I said, I'm sorry. There were so many. He said, I got saved that last night. I said, that's great. He said, you prayed with me after everybody else had left. Sometimes I'm a little slow. I rejoiced over that, but about two nights later, I asked one of the pastors, I said, you remember that first guy that responded? The one that I gave a 12 to? <laughs> they said, yeah. It lasted about a week. And he was back on drugs again. And we haven't seen him since. My point is this, my friend. Aren't you glad God's keeping score, not Steve? The point is you can trust him. If you're loud and outgoing prior to being filled with the Holy Spirit, prior to coming under his control, you're probably going to be loud and outgoing under his control. Okay? That's okay. And if you're sort of quiet and reserved prior to being filled with the Holy Spirit, you're probably going to be sort of quiet and reserved under the control of his Holy Spirit. Now, he can do whatever he wants to do. And I have seen him, a young man that I, I led to Christ, who was quiet and reserved, became a very bold, outgoing missionary. But that's God's business. All I'm asking you to do is to trust him to be everything that he is in you. <laughs> And he'll make something great out of you. I promise you. Would you bow with me for prayer? Lord, we prayed a few moments ago and asked that you would speak to us. And I thank you for doing that. Thank you for the sweet presence of your spirit in this place. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many would say, Steve, I've never invited him to take over the controls of my life. And, and I sense that he's speaking to me this morning. And I want to make the most important decision of all, and that is to know Christ. If there's anybody here like that, would you just raise your hand and say, would you pray for me that I would make that decision? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Right where you sit, right where you sit, you can right now just simply say, Lord, thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you that you not only died for me, you rose from the grave. And because you live, I can live. And by faith, I open my heart's door and invite you to come in and take control of my life. Help me to be a good representative of you wherever I go. And if you prayed that prayer, I want you to tell somebody that you prayed that prayer at the end of this service. If you want to come forward in just a moment as a worship team and have someone pray for you up here, I want you to do that. But don't go to bed tonight without telling somebody what you did. We don't need any secret service agents. Now, how many of you would say, Steve, I know that Christ is in my heart, but in all honesty, he's not in control.
and I want him to captivate me, to motivate me toward unity, toward that which is good, that which is right, and that which is true. I want him to take over the controls of my life so that I can be activated for service. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, I'm in. I, I want him to fill me afresh with his spirit. I want to be empowered by him. What a beautiful sight. What a beautiful sight. Lord God, thank you. Thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together and worship the Lord. Any of you, whether you raise your hand or not, if you want someone to pray with you, if you want to uh, just publicly affirm what God's already done in your life, I encourage you to come. But you do whatever God asks you to do. Don't come because I'm asking you. But there's something about publicly affirming a work that God's done in our life. Because, you know, it just is another testimony saying to the devil, hey, the Lord's in control of my life. You're not going to control me anymore. And you're in a safe place here. You may be visiting. This may be your first time. It's okay. You're among friends. And we're not asking you to join Salem Fields, although I know you're welcome. But if you want to publicly affirm something that God's doing in your life, you want somebody to pray with you. Use this time to simply be obedient to whatever God asks you to do.